Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Oh, hello. Hello. Thank you for tuning in to Divine Nobody's podcast. How are you doing, Jen? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Actually, I found out something really interesting this week. I just wanted to share it before we get into this uh, really amazing interview we're about to go on to. But did you know, do you know what the word Subaru means? I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you. You're going to okay. find out today and then you okay. can take it and just share it with your tribe because it's uh, really interesting. Because I went through my entire life seeing this emblem on the back of cars. I had no idea what it was. Okay. It says, Subaru is the Japanese word for Pleiades. Get out of here, really? And and the company logo, an oval with six four-point stars, represents the Pleiades star cluster. The word also means united uh, because the Subaru Corporation was formed by the merger of five companies. Isn't that crazy? That is awesome. Yeah. So next time you see wow. a, a Subaru, take another look at the person driving. Well, I've Might noticed- Might be a Pleiadian. I have noticed that the people driving Subarus all have a lot in common. I That's don't know if true. you've ever noticed that. I have. Outdoorsy. I have. Um, yeah. Yeah, super outdoorsy. I had a friend named Jameson and he took to the van life just oh, like yeah. that. And he, he went and he went off into, the, went off into the, the sunset in a Subaru. Oh, you know? well, there you go. Yeah. So the aliens are among us. They may not look exactly the way that you think, but they're there. Yeah. And if you want to know what they look like, try and find somebody driving a Subaru. Anyways, we've got a lot of stuff to cover today. We have a really amazing guest in the studio. I'm going to go ahead and introduce her here. Um, she's an energy worker that's been working in the field of healing for 18 plus years. She's uh, designed versatile sessions for people and animals that are a combination of Reiki, intuitive clearing, muscle testing, and kinesiology. She works closely with her clients' needs, and these flexible sessions are designed to be calming, active, in their healing capacities and informative uh, for disturbances or imbalances in the home. She's a home clearer. We're going to talk about that. She does a lot of space clearing and is focused on energetically organizing and cleansing environments to help energy run more smoothly. I was talking to Jen about this before the podcast. Even the crows in nature know her by name. When they see her, they go, Heather McCall, McCall, McCall. They like that. <laughs> Welcome, Heather. This is Heather McCall. Thank you very much. <laughs> I wish I had that as like a wake-up uh, alarm. Wouldn't that be cool? Heather McCall, McCall, McCall. Time to get up, get up, get up, get up. Yeah, I've been in nature several times, like on camping trips or even at home, and I hear them outside. They may, they must think that you live here because they're always saying, and I got to be like, that's the wrong house. You're in the wrong house. You're in the wrong house, guys. Same city, wrong house. <laughs> that's just, that's just exactly. your magic. You're just hearing their magic, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for, for coming. Um, you're, you've been a sort of kindred spirit within Jen's life for a long time. And Jen's told me a lot about you because you guys have worked together when it came to some of the spiritual activity that she's had in her home. And we wanted yeah. to kind of pick your brain on a few things when it came to energy clearing, as well as uh, animal communication, because you communicate with the animals too, right? That's right. Yes. Yes, that's right. I, that's how I started. Uh, it isn't actually how I started, but it's how I was rethrown back into healing work because I was, I was very adverse to the idea of being an energy worker. And I did as yeah. much as I could to stay away from this. You know, I come from a, a very artistic, intellectual family, and it was just too grueling to think I was going to go be one of those airy fairy types, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. so I ended up um, volunteering on a farm for a month, and that's right. when I really got my initiation fully into animal communication. Yeah, and how does that work? Yeah, how does what that work when you're when you're in the farm, right? And you're with all these different animals. Um, how does that come into be so young? I, I'm not sure what age that you were at, but when did you kind of get that vibe that animals were trying to communicate with you? Well, I think I've always been, uh, I've always been, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. I've always been um, very in touch with uh, 
animals, clearly, and been able to feel their energy system in a, a very, very clear way ever since I was a kid. And so, you know, there was this very sick animal, and my boss basically said, will you come over and help the, help the cat? He'd been uh, knocked over by a car. He was blind as well. And I was like, why are you asking me to do that? And she said, I just know you can do it. And I, I really thought she was crazy, but she really pushed on it. So I went over and, and his name was Riley. And the cat started speaking to me almost immediately. And so it was kind of an instant thing for me. Uh, he was really a major, major teacher uh, for me, Riley was, and an initiator. And you just never know when these things are going to come through and what kind of animal is going to open you up that way. And uh, wow. so there was no, no denying it. Yeah. So what does that sound like? I mean, do you hear like a voice in your head or is this just a knowing Oh, okay. it's, but it's actually both. Um, it's very, it's like, it, it's just a very clear, um, how do you explain it? It's difficult to explain. It's a, it's a, um, it has a certain um, energetic to it that's not your own. And you feel, I felt it, I continue to feel it head to toe energy wise. So that's how I know that's one of my clues that I'm on track, that I'm actually picking up something that isn't mine, is that energetically, my whole body, my whole system feels it. So that's different than my friend coming over for a cup of tea and chatting about whatever, her boyfriend. Yeah, and that that totally makes sense. It's like a difference between like linguistics, linguistics, language, and energy. I think energy explains it perfectly because animals obviously don't speak English. So a lot of right. what I hear or read in a lot of these books is that you know you have to sort of drop that in the same way that I imagine like people that are psychic have to drop their ideas of how that information comes into your mind. One thing that I do know at the most practical level with my animal is that a lot of the, my communication with her has to do with like behavioral, like movement mm -hmm. and motion. And I guess that can be considered energy, right? Absolutely. That's right, Eric. I mean, I think there is, for years, there has been this idea that animals uh, uh, can only be communicated with through images. And I actually think that it's not, it's not the case. I think they actually understand more verbally than we give them credit for. And they do well with images too, but movement is a great example of how they're going to read us because as we're moving, we're moving energy. And that's what they see and they feel. Yeah, it makes sense because it's like I imagine animals don't uh, maybe and I could be wrong, but because they're so present, that movement and that motion makes so much sense. Like I remember when I first got my cat from the very beginning before I had a cat, I was like, I have no idea what this cat thinks, what it is that it does. And, you know, 15, 20 years later, I know everything about this cat just based off of the sounds that it makes, the, right. the frequency of her voice Absolutely. and the way that she moves. Yes. And that sort of non-viable, non-verbal form of communication, I think is so powerful. And it's been a really great teacher for me, just in almost like a form of meditation in a ways, you know? Absolutely. That's true. And that's part of the gift of our communication with animals, you know? And luckily, you're, you're embodied enough that you can slow down and hear what she's saying. Is it she? She's saying. Yes. And so, yeah. um, and, you know, you've got a great communicator there. Yeah, she's yeah. incredible. She's an incredible cat. It's I, I would imagine it's really similar to um, kind of mediumship because anytime I'm connecting to spirit, I can feel like it, you kind of feel like you're on an elevator and you get chills all over and your hair kind of stands up like you just kind of feel like uh, a, a little dizzy almost. Is that how it comes through for you? Or is it similar? Or yes, it's it's partly that for sure. Um, and then also just the the, it's like you know you know it's not it's not me if the tone that is generating is totally not me. For example, or um, I you know it's a really hard thing to describe. But the energetic uh, um, elevator metaphor that you're using is really is really good. Um, yeah. it's like if you heard somebody else's voice in your head, here we go down the crazy track. But if you did, you'd know it's not you. It sounds completely different. It's really just like that. 
Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> incredible. Yeah, yeah. Why is it that you think, and I mean, I, I've tried to, uh, I was vegetarian and vegan for a long time. And the one thing that I, when we were talking about energetics, that, that was a really, really large piece of time where I feel like that really made a difference. Because when I was vegetarian and vegan for, you know, uh, eight to almost 10 years, I noticed that there was a significant difference in how animals behaved around me. Oh, yes. You know? I, and especially... You know, as we were saying before we before we began the interview, you're you have this uh, enormous um, connection to animals, Eric, and so I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised about that information at all. Unfortunately, I I I, I eat meat, and so there's like a, a really interesting dilemma that I'm in with that because. I have to do a lot of clearing before I eat meat and uh, right, right. and all of that stuff. I just, um, but yeah, that's it's an interesting thing, that. Yeah. And when I'm in nature and I'm with uh, a lot of these different animals, and it's not even just cats, it's dogs, I, I, I try and... Uh, try and tap into that sort of woo-woo part of myself where it's like I get into every animal and I'd be like, I want to talk to you. So I feel like there's that energy in there that's like, oh, I can make this happen. And also like maybe gently say something to them and and see what happens. But um, I've noticed that all animals are different. Why is it that there are animals that are more sentient, right? So you have things like animals like elephants, uh, dolphins, these really Mm -hmm. intelligent animals that more or less kind of communicate with language. But then you have maybe animals that are a little bit more practical like cats and dogs. So I imagine uh, the energetics of that are a little different. Uh, how, do, how do you think that that's different and how sentient animals communicate in opposed to just, you know, regular domesticated animals? That's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure I know how to, how to explain that really. Um, I think it's, it's just like if you were sitting in front of um, the Dalai Lama, you would be picking yeah. up on a field that's different than the greengrocer down the road. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it has to do with um, advancement in a certain uh, realm there. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I, I noticed for me, like when it comes to that, is I'm wondering if like that sort of fundamental frequency that, that brings us together us and animals is maybe like love well for sure i mean you know there that you know there there are major teachers for love right i mean and heart opening they absolutely are and we did uh, a full episode episode on that um you know because i came to you about sancho my dog who is very old and he didn't he stopped walking so he wasn't really eating and he didn't walk for a couple weeks and I was like okay he's 17 we're it's it's probably time so uh, but I wasn't comfortable with putting him to sleep I was really struggling with is euthanasia an act of kindness or am I doing something that he's not ready for you know am, am I supposed to be just letting him go about his natural process so what are your thoughts on on euthanasia with animals so again, a, a tricky question. Um, I, I'm, I'm a fan of trying to allow the animals to pass on their own accord. Um, but I understand as human beings, this is very, very hard and difficult to handle. Um, cats have a way of really, ins- and they, cats really want to insist upon this. There's something about how they are in this world that their ability to take themselves off to, um, I mean, dogs do this too, uh, but animals are really good at handling a large amount of pain and they do it in a way that we're not good at handling at all. Our central nervous systems aren't built for it. They're very surrendered to it. They manage it internally. Um, It's a human problem, not an animal problem. You know, I thought that was really interesting because we were talking about it in front of him and I was asking him, I was like, buddy, just tell me what you want me to do. I don't know what you want me to do. And, um, when, when we were like, okay, we were guessing it's time. He's not walking. We have to hold him up whenever he goes to the bathroom. He can't even sit up on his own. And, uh, and then I spoke to you 
And the next day he started walking. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? He started walking, Jen? <laughs> he started walking. What? And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and Heather said, well, he knows that you're going to carry him around. So part of this, because he, <laughs> he's my baby, like part of it is he just knows you'll do it. And I was but like, that, that, that little shit. That's shocking to me because we we did an entire episode on like how to go about the Sancho situation. The, yeah. the name of the episode was the epic saga of Sancho the dog. <laughs> and that whole episode was about, okay, well, should we, uh, what should we do is if the animal is suffering, should we put it down? And there was just some, I imagine just intuition that Jen, there was some reluctance there, obviously, because it's your animal. But I didn't know. I just found out right now that he yeah, the made very a full next turnaround. Day. Yeah, this dog so, has conquered death like fifty times. Uh, just has. FYI, and you know you can feel you can feel how young he is in spirit. Yeah, yes, yes. in spirit. That's right. And and everyone always comments on on that on how young he looks, like for his age, and he has aged very gracefully. I mean, his cataracts aren't that bad. His fur. I mean, he's gray. He used to be brown, but he's gray now. But outside of so that when, when the spirit aspect starts to feel like it's in trouble then you know you're entered into a different phase okay interesting yeah. you're, he reminds me of that like uh, like that that uncle that's like 90 years old and he's walking around with a cigarette and like some whiskey and he's like hey you're sick all you gotta do is just take a shot of this <laughs> stuff and you'll be good you exactly. know what I mean he's got that vibe and exactly. his name's Sancho that's something a Sancho would do right exactly what's your problem mm -hmm. Yeah, he's he's too funny. And it it was really interesting. Just the whole reading with you was really, really interesting because it's things that um I had so many questions and he was just so chatty and just coming through and telling you everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, That's this is right. <laughs> so I can't thank you enough for saving his life. I mean he wouldn't he probably wouldn't be alive right now if it wasn't for that, but but who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. I was really struggling with it. I was I probably would have just kept him around as long as, as long as I could. Right. And, and so, would you, yeah. and would you say that, I mean, I, at least from what I've read and just what I've gathered from my own animal is that, you know, they, they're on this earth and Jen brought this up in our last, our last, one of our last episodes, which is like, they've already mastered unconditional love, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. they're already, they're always using that as sort of a baseline of how they operate because they're not, you know, concerned with a lot of the craziness that we, human beings are concerned with they have live a very simple life for the most part they live the life of like a wandering ascetic they might as well call them buddha because they just mm -hmm. they're perfectly content with being who they are you know what i mean and i'm wondering if if maybe these animals came into my you know my life jen's life in order to teach us really important lessons on love because i imagine the jen through that episode she was falling apart you know she's going mm -hmm. through a lot of different emotions and to try and hold space for that i completely understood what pain she was going through and vice versa because i shared the pain that i was going through with my cat and both of these animals ended up recovering and getting better and mm -hmm. yes that's a good thing but you know the one thing that i i do know is that i learned a lot about myself and reactivity to just even the concept of death through that whole process it makes you come to terms with your own sort of mortality in ways oh for sure absolutely and one of the things one of the practices that i i try to help animal owners with because it's very hard if you really love your animal it can be overwhelming to to feel that they're in pain and and how to deal with that and to stay in your own energy field you know because Energy is something that, you know, if you're empathic, you're, you're picking up on the animal stuff. And the animal, by the way, is also picking up on your stuff. And we never talk about clearing animals, but that's one thing that I really try and, and help animals owners know that a, a simple clearing technique is very important because they're walking around with our stuff. But what I was going to say actually was, was that when we're overwhelmed and our animal is in pain, it's really important to, you don't have to be an energy worker to do this, but to just take your hand, take a nice deep breath, and put your hand on your animal, and try and find a place in the animal's energy system where you click into understanding that they're okay. Right. And even if they're in pain. Now, if they're close to death, this is another situation. If they've been knocked over by a car, that's something else. I'm just talking generally about aging animals, right? Because I had a client the other day who was very, very anxious about her dog. And she kept saying, the dog's getting old. The dog was seven years old, right? 
and the dog was absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. So click into your yeah. dog's energy field and have a read. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I learned through that whole process was that cats, uh, like like you said earlier, like uh, they're they're phenomenal at dealing with various levels of pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, my 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 cat was in pain for I, I imagine some time, and I would have never ever guessed, you know, unless I had some sort of energetic sort of like connection to the animal, which I was able to pick up on that, you know. So it's 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 crazy how resilient they are, you know. And uh, what you were talking about. Uh, when it came to animals having, well, I, I believe that, and this is something that I've read and you can validate that, that there's almost like this neural network that all these animals share, or maybe even certain breeds of animals, like wolves, for example, like they all communicate in this sort of tele, tele, telepathic way. I imagine that energy is a lot to do with that. And also, oh, and I think that's my cat. Do you hear my cat? She knows, yeah, she's, she knows, she knows, she knows that I'm talking about her. She's like, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but they have this sort of like neural network that they have in their whole little tribe, and I imagine how they communicate, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, that's yeah. right. And I was went down a whole rabbit hole of YouTube videos trying to decide what I was going to do with Sancho, right? And and uh, weighing in on how I felt about euthanasia, and you know, I wasn't even sure really where I stood on that. So when an animal is going through like their dying process, is it something that they plan? Do they plan how they're going to die as an additional lesson to teach you? Well, I don't think it has anything to do with us. I think it's, you know, just like everyone decides, what, you know, every human decides when their transition point is going to be. Um, and it has nothing to do with anyone else. But I think the animals are pretty much the same. They pick up very, very early on that something, you know, that they pick up earlier than we do that something's off in their bodies and their energy fields. And um, I think they, I think they, uh, I, yeah, they're just, they just read it differently. They have some ability to be present with that journey in a way that we find it hard. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I, and I was thinking about this the other day um, about racehorses. And have you ever talked to a racehorse and do they like what they're doing or, or do they feel like prisoners? And is it dependent <laughs> on the animal? Well, um, yes, I'm not, I'm not clear. I haven't actually spoken to a racehorse, but I imagine if I'm, if I'm looking at that, that they'd rather be free, uh, honestly. And I think they're yeah. shot full of God knows what. And, um, yeah, it's yeah, hard that, yeah, everything I, that yeah. I would agree with that. I knew a woman a long, um, a while back and uh, her name was Lola and she actually raced horses for a long time. She was, she's relatively young. She's like about, uh, about my age. And, uh, her story was how she got into the spiritual community was that she was racing and, you know, animal, especially horses, they're, they're, they're very loyal. That's the one thing that you hear about horses. They're super loyal. You could actually, you can actually race them to death if you're not careful. And that's, that's exactly right. what she did. Yeah. She was on a, a track and she raced this horse and this horse had a heart attack and she overgaged his energy and this 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 uh, animal just collapsed like on the track while she was racing. And she held a lot of guilt and a lot of shame for a long time about, uh, you know, pushing the animal in this way. And it became the greatest catalyst for change for her. But that just shows like how loyal these animals are, you know, like horses. Yeah. Absolutely, that's right. To the end. I, and that was one of the reasons why I reached out to you the first time to do the clearing in my home was because my animals were being attacked. I don't know if you remember this because it was a couple years ago now. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but how, how fast time has flown. But um, we were at um, my husband's, at my in-law's house for Thanksgiving, and uh, we had a ring camera set up in the downstairs of our home so we could watch the dogs while we were gone and they had a dog door so they would go in and out of the backyard as they chose and um, you could see the orbs flying around and um, they were all barking at them I mean they could clearly see them and they were barking at them and terrified scared so um, we actually ended up coming home early and as soon as we got home um, our our 
youngest Pomeranian, he's um, DJ, he um, just started, uh, he peed on himself and he was shaking. Shame. He was just terrified, you know? And uh, that's really kind of, <laughs> kind of was the major driver to reaching out to you. I mean, even though we were also being tormented, um, it's a whole nother thing to see a helpless animal be tormented. Oh. I saw those ring camera. I saw those ring camera videos. Jen Jen forwarded them to me. She she sent them through text, and it just it's so crazy because you don't normally see stuff like that, you know. So I'd like sort of like mixed mixed feelings about it because there's this part of me that's like I I have two sides. Maybe this is my Libra side because um there's one side of me that's like okay they're tormenting the dogs and the, and the dogs are tormenting them, and then there's this other side that's like, like <laughs> okay well they're playing. You know, there's these uh, guides or these spirit guides or these these angels that are there playing with the animals, <laughs> and they're just kind of walking around. I don't know which one it is. No, yeah, but I, I do. remember her. <laughs> yeah, I remember her showing me. I remember her showing me the videos, and I was like, "Wow, you don't normally see dogs just chasing orbs around the house." You know. No, no. The thing is that <laughs> I remember that situation, and Jen, you really had a, a full house there. I think we. I think I worked on it for a, a full day, which for me is quite long. I think there was a ten-hour stint actually you had uh, entities you had poltergeist energy you had a negative vortex you had god what else did you have i i can't even remember you had the freeway of doom a freeway of doom and you had that freaky freaky, like ghost of a man in the corner of your living room do you remember that we had to get him out of the corner yeah and then as we pulled him out what something fell to the ground that was very that was very alarming, wasn't it? Do you remember that? Yeah, a painting a painting came down or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you so had a started. whole batch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. It was it was it was very intense. So how it started, we moved into this house. The house had been vacant for several years. So um, the previous owners, their their daughter passed away and they moved out of town to take care of her, her children. So they left the house because the house was paid off. They had lived there 60 years. So when they left the house, um, you know, unattended, it was just kind of like an invitation for the squatters of spirits to come in. And we weren't aware that the house had been vacant that long until after we bought it and started talking to the neighbors and that sort of thing. So it started with just like the TV turning on and the toilet flushing at the same time and cabinet doors opening and other doors opening or closing, um, furniture relocating, um, things like that, like very poltergeist type activity. So um, I was getting, I was starting to get to a point where I was so afraid to be in my own home and that's never a good feeling. And I, I wouldn't say, I, I, I'm pretty sensitive to spiritual energy and I could tell that what was there was not, um, not good. <laughs> so, yeah. but I needed to be validated because I felt like I was going crazy. So, um, I called Heather and Heather to the rescue and we had some pretty, pretty intense conversations. Um, it, it was amazing what you did. So I, I want you to talk a little bit about how, cause you did this all remotely. How do you remote into a location that you've never been to and get in touch with these spirits? So first things first, I take the address, I may ask for photos, I'll have a conversation, I'll read a lot of the energy of the house actually through the owner initially. So um, so then, then we'll set up a time to work, I'll go into meditation, and um, in the meditation I'll kind of basically just travel right into the space and I will be hit by certain uh, certain fields, let's say, and I'll get uh, an indication. Oh, this is what this is what we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with. Then I may use a pendulum or muscle testing to test out. Uh, you know, are we dealing with entities? Are we dealing with poltergeists? Are we dealing with a curse? Are we dealing with neighbors? Energy is that coming in? Are we dealing with a curse on the whole street? Are we dealing? You know, uh, karmic issues. And there's a whole array. And, um, and so by the end of that, sort of um, 45 minutes, something like that, um, I'm very clear about what the arena is. And then I start clearing. So I start pulling, pulling stuff out of the house. And with you, I think I worked a good hour and a half until I, I had to admit that I needed to FaceTime you. And we did a video. And that's when I got 
uh, a visual of of the entity of the ghost in the corner of the living room. So every job is different. Um, I'm just kind of on my toes, kind of, you know, sometimes I'll need another conversation or whatever it is. Um, and, and so that's, that's, that's how it, how it works. Yeah, I remember she like, I remember she like, uh, she called me one day and she was like in, in her car and I was like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, there's stuff happening in my house and I'm just chilling out in my car. She didn't want to go back in. <laughs> yeah. I sat outside for like three hours before I went back in and, um, played the Ram Dass chant on repeat. Um, I mean, it was just, <laughs> just it was, yes. it was really stressful. And, and that last night, actually, um, my husband was out of town, of course, that this kind of shit always happens whenever he's not around and I'm by myself. And um, I, I couldn't sleep and the dogs were um, growling. So they're all on the bed with me and they're looking at the door and they're, you know, and then the doors, um, we had a double door to our bedroom and then the doors swing open. And, um, and I was like, all right, I've had enough of this shit. So then I came into my power and like a crazy person, I'm just like talking to them. I'm like, this is my fucking house. <laughs> it's time for you to leave. I'm sick of this. I'm trying Come to sleep. Me, bro. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Yeah, but then you had, so, you had those you, know. you had those amazing gongs, right? Which were also helpful because any kind of sound vibration is super helpful, even if it's just a couple of angel tuning forks or a Tibetan singing bowl or anything like that, or clapping even. Um, but and music, music of course is is very helpful. Yeah, I did notice music was helpful. She was throwing jabs, and then when we the, the sun gong came in there, she started pile driving these spirits, and they were just like, "Hey, okay, we shouldn't be here," you know. Well, did, yeah, we, did we? We actually. Did we actually we, sorry. Go ahead. Go did ahead. Did we actually? Did we? How did we do with that? That all got kind of concluded. Um, no, actually, I called you again. Oh, that's <laughs> so right. It concluded right. for a while. I mean, it was good for about six months. And um, the gong really helped. Actually, the gong was Eric's, and he lent it to me uh, to help kind of keep <laughs> keep everything at bay. To, to and it did help. Spirits. Yeah, it really did help. I mean, I was p playing the angel tuning forks, playing the gong. Um, we had bowls, um, uh, burning sage. I was doing all the things. Right? Had had the uh, had uh, what's that saint? Um, uh, saint the Catholic Germain? saint. Uh, no, not Saint Germain. Santa Claus. The Catholic saint, saint that uh, that gets rid of uh, demons. It's no, either it's, was it is it Michael? Archangel Michael? Yes, Archangel, Archangel Michael. Gabriel. Thank you. Yes, Archangel yeah. Michael. Yeah. So I had that um, that prayer in every single room of the house, you know, somewhere in a drawer or whatever, and uh, that seemed to really help. But what it did was it pushed the spirits outside, so then they weren't coming in the house anymore, which was wonderful. Um, but then uh, then they started playing games outside, and we had we had one actually turn on the sink. And we had an outdoor kitchen area and turned on the sink and flooded our backyard. So, uh, yeah. So when that happened, I, I mm. actually called you back and you're like, oh, yeah, um, they're hanging out outside, you know, put some crystals out there, play, you know, um, play the uh, tuning forks outside. And then it, it really did help. So one of the things that was going on with this house and Eric and I had a long discussion about this um, on another podcast about the energy yeah. vortex and oh, yeah. how you explained it, that it was spinning the opposite way. Um, so what is it? We, neither of us had ever heard of like a negative energy vortex. I've always heard of energy vortexes being positive. So, so no, yes, it can happen when there's, um, an intersection of uh, bad things that have happened to the land that kind of collide with each other and the energy gets trapped. Um, I was just clearing a house the other day where there was an energy, there was a negative vortex within, mm, gosh, a third of a mile from the house and uh, that obviously had to do with not obviously but that ended up being about um, it was karmic it was Native American that's how old that was um, and so you know in certain like there was also a murder on another house I was clearing and that created a mini negative vortex so yeah it's as simple as that and I, and I believe that I you know a lot of 
I lived in Orange County for a long time when I was younger. And there used to be this place that was in the mountains. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it called Black Star Canyon. And there was a lot of lore surrounding it. It's actually in the, uh, like the, the hills up above, um, I want to say, uh, like Laguna. Like, not Laguna, but like um, Irvine. Irvine. Okay. And apparently in Orange County, a large stretch of the land in Orange County once belonged to the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And there have been reported of a lot of different sort of crusades and a lot of like, um, you know, wars that happened on that land. And this place called Black Star Canyon, they, the, the lore behind it, of course, I was a lot younger. I was like 18 or 19. We used to drive to this place because they said it was haunted with the spirits of these Native Americans. Um, now, I wouldn't do that now, but it totally makes sense because uh, that land definitely has that sort of history, you know. Yeah, I, I actually did a little bit of research because I thought that too. I didn't really know. I mean, I'm from Texas, so I didn't really know a lot about Orange County's history. And um, when this was happening with my house and after I talked to Heather, I looked on the Costa Mesa um, site and it apparently there was a river that ran through the area where my subdivision was. And um, the farmers rerouted the river to get rid of the Indians. And, um, and on the website, it kind of is worded like this. There were Indians here and then there weren't. (laughs) So it's like, well, where the hell did they go? And, uh, obviously they left out the part that, you know, they were, there was the massacre. So, um, I I was not, uh, not surprised to read that. You know, if all else, if all else fails, Jen, if all else fails, you just, you know, leave a plate out with some cookies and kombucha and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Or even a slice of pizza. Who doesn't like, if you don't like, saying no to pizza is like saying no to fun, right? So if you the know, spirits I, don't I, eat it, then they don't I like don't fun. I don't really do pizza. I'm not you really like a pizza, pizza lady. No, Okay, well really. then just do the, the Twinkies and cookies then. It might make it work. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you, Heather, because uh, we were talking about energy clearing and a lot of people that are in the spiritual community, they have some form of that. And um, a lot of people are just familiar with the whole just, you know, rubbing sage around the house. What are some ways that people can clear the home outside of just using regular sage okay so you've got your your, you've got your basics right which are sage but also you know i just did this whole um little piece on instagram about uh about um incense for me is is the world of incense is changing a lot and um it's very powerful too so you use it much the same way as sage any, like I said, any kind of sound vibration is good. The angel tuning forks are great. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got something in my throat that needs clearing, literally. <coughs> um, it needs cookies. Yes, it needs cookies, exactly. <coughs> Let me just take a... Mm. Okay, so there are other things that you can do. Having, you know, there are joyful things you can do, like having a dance party clears energy. You know, um, moving yeah. figure eights uh, with your arms and your body all through the um, all through the apartment or the house, um, and then I would also think about some clearing meditations. There's one that I really love to do, which is if you stand at the side of the room and you close your eyes and you imagine that there's a big opening in the center of the room, and that opening goes down into the middle of the earth. And then you're taking a nice breath. And you can do this with other people. This is a really nice group one to do. It really helps enhance the um, powerfulness of it. And all of you would stand around the outskirts of this ring. And this ring would be about maybe three or four feet wide. And then you open your eyes and you would basically just with your arms start to reach up and in the areas that you feel are stagnated you would literally pull the energy like taffy and you would pull it into the circle and you would drop it into the circle that is one way with a a moving meditation that you can clear energy and i really like that one i use it a lot you can also use it in your third eye as well if you're not at home if you are traveling very often I will be like, or used to be on a plane, <laughs> and I would, I would think about my hotel room, and I would do that exercise in the plane before I got to the room. The other version that you can do is you can ask the walls to suck in anything that the space doesn't need. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I love those that. Those are all great tips. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all really, really great tips. I, somebody I once like told me. visualizing the, the hole in the center of the room and the negative energy going going to the core. Yeah. So I, really I try cool. and do like energy clearing in my home all the time um, for obviously any lingering sort of energy because we're going back and forth all the time, but just to also freshen up the space. Somebody told me that a lot of spirits, if there are any, like to hang out in the corners. Is that true? Yes, energy energy gets pushed in the corners of rooms. That's why you always want to do the corners of each room when you clear and the door frames and the window frames. Yeah, mm. and, and that was something that you taught me that I always forgot about was doing the doors and the windows. Um, but in my own house, that is exactly what happened. We had a, um, a an antique uh, like carved screen from Sri Lanka and it was in the corner and it's about 200 pounds. I mean, it's very, very heavy. And um, it, we kind of had the corner blocked off with it. And that that negative entity went and was hiding behind it. And then I learned something else new from you uh, was that those negative entities can transmutate into something else. So whenever I went to move the screen, because you said, okay, go over there, move the screen and um, uh, light a candle. And uh, there was a big spider there. So that that energy transmutated into a spider and was still on the wall. <laughs> so, and he hung out there all night. <laughs> so it was pretty interesting. Like w One thing that I notice about um, like people that experience spiritual activity is, is some can go their entire lives without ever experiencing anything like it. And then some, it just, it, it seems to happen just like with Jen. And I have my own thoughts about why that sort of gravitates towards Jen, but I also know a lot of people that have experienced it throughout their lives. Do you think that there's an affinity that some of these spirits have to people that are maybe aware that these spirits exist? Like, do they gravitate more towards people that might, reciprocate some level of like reciprocity with them i don't i don't think so i honestly don't i think it's uh it's it, you know it could be a number of different reasons why they're in this space of sensitive people but i think they're probably in the space of not very sensitive people too and they don't get noticed so i don't i'm not sure about that honestly um yeah do you what do you I'm think learning, what do you think eric I, I, I mean, I, I guess I can just kind of go off of my, my own experience. I, I think I read a lot of books about, you know, um, especially just in the new age and metaphysics. And that's one thing that comes into the, the field a lot, which is afterlife studies, near-death experiences, life after death, fourth dimensional sort of entities. And um, I've always been sort of sensitive to them growing up. So it was something that I've always been very sensitive to. So I, at one point you can say, okay, well, maybe it's because there's an empathic quality to a human being that's able to pick up on subtle energies in the environment. And I don't know that that would exactly equate to me being sensitive to spirits, but if we're talking energetics, it would make sense that if they are there, that I'd be able to pick it up. Uh, and then there are some people that maybe it's, it, it, that, that, that's, I think that's my question is like, okay, it, it, because you're aware of them, do they do a, a, you know, a, a, do they act more, out? <laughs> do they act out? Do they try and make their presence known as a way to either one, try and communicate with you because they want to pass a message? Because you hear that a lot too. And I imagine that does happen very often, but I'm just, I'm just wondering if it, if it comes down to you noticing them. Yeah, that's interesting. It could, it could very well be, you know, it's interesting. I didn't spend too much time because I'm so actively clearing, thinking about, you know, how they're interacting so much. But I am aware when I've worked on people who have contact with alien energy that the alien energy seems very, very specific to target certain personalities, certain certain people who are open in that field. Um, and so when they access those people in order to get information, that's a specific choice they make. Yeah, you said that. She said the magic words, Jen. I know. And if she you said say alien, the magic words your on, up, you're on like, the podcast, what was it? Wait, wait, wait. What? I was like, wait, wait. He was he was trying she to think aliens. of a way to work aliens into this podcast. Yeah, I can yeah, see, you, see the... remember remember when you used to watch Pee Wee when you were like when you were like ten years old and they had like the word of the day and then when somebody says it like the, the robot and everybody was just like yeah <laughs> that's kind of how I felt. I mean, yeah. not that we have to go down that direction, but if we're going to talk about aliens, we're going to talk about aliens. Because I feel like there's there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, which is, you know, if you read Barbara Messiniak's Bringers of the Dawn, those are channeled messages of Pleiadians that intentionally reached out to a human being. 
in order to give them some sort of message. So um, I imagine that you work a lot with that type of energy. And uh, do you see in your clearing, in your clearing experience, especially now, do you see a lot more alien activity? Like, I do I do see a lot of alien activity, and not only alien, like different different forms. Like it's so congested. I I don't even know the names to most of what I'm picking up, really. But um, I'm not anti-alien at all. I I there are some circumstances I really feel like. There needs to be a clearing of alien and human, that it's really not serving the human. But um, I don't feel negatively, I don't think they have bad um, purpose for us. Yeah. Maybe maybe it comes down to maybe there are just some human beings that don't want to like heed the call of aliens. And so they want to clear them from their space. But if, hey, the aliens knocked on my door. And they're like, what's up? I'd be like, what's up? And then we both say, what's up? And then we would go and (laughs) save the world together, you know? But I had a I had an alien experience about um, how many years ago was it now? May it more than well about twenty years ago actually, where um, I had been hanging out with a friend of mine, and it had been a very hot summer evening, and this friend was going through some work um, issues and not knowing whether or not to leave her job, and I went to bed that night, and my windows were open. And suddenly I wake up, I'm kind of like in this, um, I'm not dreaming, but I'm not fully awake. And these two energy figures come and they stand at the bottom of my bed and they elongate and they make this kind of sound. And I look up and they say, and they give me information to share with this friend of mine about her work, something really banal like that and and I'm like let me go back to sleep and they were like get up get up and they were like they wanted me to get up to email her this kind of ridiculous information I just didn't think it was important and and they were like get up and they were so like so and finally I did get kind of freaked out so I got up and I went to the living room and I emailed my friend. So I just got visited by these aliens and I guess you need to do dot, dot, dot. And um, and then they went, well, before I got up, they just went kind of collapsed and they just went and they kind of went out the window again. And um, of course I woke up and had no memory of this at all until my friend rang me and said, I, she was really, really freaked out. <laughs> So what information did they give you to tell her? And it was, and was it really ridiculous. It was so it was so I mean, I think it was useful to her. I don't know. There must have been she maybe she was also psychic too, so she might have been drawing in a connection with them. I don't know why they came to me, but um maybe that was part of my alien initiation, you know. <laughs> We're going to figure out what kind of alien, what kind of alien this is right now, Jen, just based off of its behavior. It couldn't be an Arcturian. I don't think it was a Pleiadian. Well, I mean, maybe if it was anything, it may be like an avian or maybe like even like a a reptilian. Wow, you're you're an expert. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was thinking reptilian. That was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. Only a reptilian is going to wake you up in the middle of the night and ask you to work. Yes, yeah. very long faces and long mouths and very like, I mean, like really like, yes, wow. lizard yeah. like. Mm-hmm. That was yeah, that was a reptilian yeah. for sure. Reptilian. You, like, when you when you said they made that noise, that yeah, which yeah. is Jen's which is Jen's favorite sound, by the way. Oh, I hate and, that sound. <laughs> and that's that's how I knew it was a, a reptilian. And you know what, Jen, the reptilians have been trying to communicate with you for quite some time, and you've just been like, nope, because you get you stop right at the sound, you know? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what other kind of alien energy have you experienced? And has it been in home clearings or attached to people? I mean, no, I don't know. I don't know the specific kinds. Again, I'm like this simple little lady that clears energy. I don't go into much like figuring out who's who, but um, but there are uh, but a lot of women, um, and um, it seems like they're vastly intelligent people, and. Um, it seems like they're they're very open to the other side, but they keep them up a lot at night. Like this seems to be like they can't sleep. They they know that something's attached to their auric field and 
And that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense because we have dreams a lot about aliens. And if, if that activity is happening at, you know, between the hours of 11 and, you know, 7 a.m., that's, that's where they're doing their business. So just to kind of moving in the direction of the, the, the clearing that you do, a lot of people have reluctance to even just hang, even, even the idea of, of some sort of spirit and wandering spirit in their space. And I know it's triggering for some people, maybe not for us because this is just a, a, in the fixture of what we do. But do you think that people have uh, like a legitimate um, uh, sort of fear of some type of psychic attack in their home? Is, is that something that's uh, from your experience kind of common where it's like maybe they'll start to feel that sort of like hair stand up on the back of their neck and they're, they're having to go and, and basically to call it like a psychic, psychic attack, right? Do you see that a lot? Um, I, I, I see the fear of it, if that's what you're asking me. I see, owner, I see owners of spaces being super scared about that. But I also see a shift in that we're starting to talk about this stuff much more easily, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think I so too. I, I don't think it's like 20 years ago or 15 years ago where it was really unusual to discuss these things. And even, you know, I grew up in London and... Um, you know, my friends are super grounded, but even like they're talking all about this stuff too, which I never thought would happen, you know. Yeah. It seems to be this like recursion of, of, of more new age themes. And we, we have a lot of episodes about this when, even when it comes to things like modern medicine, you know, a lot of people are turning away from modern medicine and turning more towards holistic sort of ways of living. And that kind of branches even outside of, of, of health that branches into spirituality as well. You know, like, just like you said, like there, there's so much more of a community now, at least from my experience, cause I've been in this for a long time, more now than there ever has been before. And I think it's because people are, you know, turning away from a lot of these institutionalized sort of forms of spirituality and wanting to venture into these unknown territories. And so it's nice that we can have conversations about it. And I think that's the reason why this podcast exists because there's a platform for people that are curious about it, you know? So that's why we wanted to bring you on because energy clearing is something that you don't even have to be super into, uh, you know, spiritual themes or new age. I even know that my mother, for example, has sage. And even if it's just a practical tool for her, it's something that she does to clear her space, you know? So I, I think there's a conversation, um, an ongoing conversation that's happening and people are starting to pick up these sort of like old sacred practices as a way to clear out their home, you know? Yeah. And I kind of wanted to rewind a little bit and make a comment on something that you said earlier that I found really interesting when you were cleaning, clearing my home is that you, um, I was becoming obsessed with wanting to know what was there and why it was there and tell me the story. And, you know, I, I wanted all the details and you're like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really do that. I don't really care about that. You want them to leave. And that's what I'm here to do make, to make them leave, you know? And, uh, I, I thought that that was really interesting because I just wanted to know all the details. So, um, can you, can you just talk a little bit about why, um, you don't get into the details with them, why you just, it's all kind of surface? Uh, it's very, it's very simple, Jen. I just don't have the time. <laughs> I just, I have to go in there and, and I think it, you know, it would take a lot of meditation. It would take a lot of channeling. I don't particularly want to channel in that way with that kind of system, um, mm -hmm. I just want to move it out. So I don't, I, I'm not one to kind of encourage long conversations in that arena. Um, I'm not sure it's particularly healthy. I think we get very attached to the story of what's happening. And, you know, it can shift in a second, you know. Um, so mm -hmm. let's let it go. <laughs> That's true. I imagine it's like, Imagine something similar to like what people go through when it comes to astral projection, because there are some people that like love to go into astral projection and visit all the different dimensions and talk to different incarnate, discarnate spirits and things like that. And there are some people that don't. And the main reason that they have is the energetics of it. Like it can be very exhausting, you know, to have to subject yourself to all these different energies, especially I imagine the energy that you're dealing with, because if the goal is to remove them from the space, they're probably not spirits you want to hang out with for long periods of time. Do you know what I mean? And you know, something that part of my fear was um, that I was unaware of my own power. So, and I'm sure that people that are listening to, uh, listening to this episode that 
are maybe dealing with this or have dealt with it in the past, they may feel like um, like the spirit realm is more powerful than they are. Um, but through uh, all this different research and actually questions that I even asked you, uh, you told me something, and I can't I can't remember because it's been it's been a couple of years now. But um, you basically said they're you are the one with the power they are not as powerful as you are and the more anxious you're getting and the more triggered you're getting you're kind of inviting it so uh, you're manifesting more of that same type of energy so uh in your own words I, I know i didn't do a great job of explaining that but in your own words what can a person do that is really struggling with that to kind of move on I think, you know, that's, that's, that's super interesting. And as you were talking, there was another aspect of this that I wanted to bring up. But um, yes, you are more powerful, for sure. Um, and, but one of the one of the things that may be easier to, to, to help anyone that's really nervous about letting this go is first of all, to understand that. But secondly, things get released with love more than fear, right? We can release anything we like with love. So um, whenever we're working on this, and I know I'm joking about saying, you know, get rid of this or get rid of that, but really, it's really just energy that's stuck and reacting in its own time sphere, and we need to just help release it. And so try and just take a breath, put your hand on your heart, um, just feel your feet, feel your legs, get really super grounded and, and just understand, okay, you're going to get have to get into a space of power and love. And those two things together are uh, super empowering. Yeah. And it totally makes sense because you can even in, integrate that in as a personal practice. You know, there's a lot of people that go through things like panic attacks and ha having to deal with their own fear about just life, you know. And I think the, the realest part when it comes to dealing, I imagine, with these spirits is the fear that you feel for them, you know, and, and, and what comes up. Uh, I imagine there's a lot of these sort of uh, mythical sort of like... Um, uh, like symbols and, and vis visuals that come into your mind whenever you think of something negative. And those are the things that usually drive the ship of fear um, and, and drive people away from even interacting with them. But I think you're absolutely right, at least from what I've read, which is like, we have to understand that like these, all these forces all, all essentially belong to the same God, you know, just on various different frequencies and in, in different dimensions. So I think like practicing that sort of awareness of unconditional love is what allows you to overcome and transcend that that fear that people think. And I know that's easier said than done because when somebody feels fear in their body, it's, it feels very real, you know. And and what you're talking about, like putting your hand on your heart, doing those breathing exercises, and realizing that you have that power has the ability to sort of help mitigate that, you know. Right. And ask for help, you know, really. Ask for help. If, if something feels very dangerous... You can stay in a love space, but, you know, take care of yourself. These things are, are, are real, so. Yeah. And we were talking about, like, animals, too. And it, this is my experience, and I've read it other ways, too. It's like, if you maybe aren't one of those people that wants to walk around with Palo Santos in your home, like, every Thursday or whatever, like, get a cat or a dog. Because I feel like my cat does an exceptional job in keeping my, my place pretty clear. I mean, I think there's a reason why the Egyptians used to have little monuments of cats in front of their homes, you know? Yes, yeah, actually, one of the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Jen. One, I was just going to say one of the things that I tell a, a lot of clients to do with their animals, dogs too, is to give them the job of clearing the space. Um, and, you know, dogs don't get that as quickly as cats do, but they understand what it is to clear space. Yeah, so what's I the difference the when you're talking to dogs and cats? What are their personalities like? Well, you know, it's a cliche, but you can't tell a cat anything. They know everything already, you know. Uh, you have to really negotiate. <laughs> you have to really negotiate because they have wisdom beyond everything, and they'll let you know that. And dogs are much more, you know, human. You know, it's like, you know, it's not, um, you know, let's not get into who's brighter of the bunch, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it's interesting, like sometimes, and I, I believe you when it comes to the cat, sometimes I'll be looking at my cat from across the room and she's looking at me and she's like, you better be careful because I'm going to clean you, clean you out of here too. You know? <laughs> That's right. Um, 
They have a really serious job to do. And you can tell because sometimes I see the animals are looking at things that aren't there in the room. Mm-hmm. And it could be, I imagine, like a spirit. And for the most part, I, I, I feel like a, any sort of activity that happens in, in my sort of domain is, is more benevolent. Um, but I noticed that cats see things. You know, they see things that we don't normally see. They're attached to this other dimension that we can't see. And I, I always feel that sense of protection when I'm around my cat, you know. That's right, Eric. And so what would be good is for you to ask your cat if it needs to be cleared and then let your cat tell you if it needs to be cleared. Because sometimes she'll say okay. yes, and other times she'll, she'll clearly say, don't worry about it, I did it already, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be like, we can do this, but you got to feed me afterwards. That's the yeah. deal that we, yeah. we make. She's the boss for sure. You know, She's no treats, boss. no treats. You got to get that, you know, that real feline kibble out there mm-hmm. and this will make it happen <laughs> yeah we no. just recently got a cat and he is um he's very superior so he'll look down on you like you're a peasant he's just <laughs> very <laughs> he's very regal but uh he's also really funny he has a, a so, very funny way about him <laughs> somebody actually told me that like um the, the maybe the in this this is maybe this is just more trivial i'm not sure if this is true or not but the way that cats think is that in their mind, they allow you to be a part of their lives, which is in their mind, they feel as though they could take you out of this world really quick Mm -hmm. and they make the decision to keep you around, likely because you feed them and also because you've built a relationship with them. But that, I'd always thought that was just really funny because I I think that and then I look down at my cat and I'm like, no, come on. We make the decision together. We're both in this together, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you have the yeah. honor of being being the the house that that your cat live, resides in but yeah yeah she has <laughs> exactly. her like little her little staff and she's like i i allow you to be here <laughs> you may stay but jen's cat's beautiful like ben Jen, oh, yeah. jen's she has this uh what was it what i forget the name of the cat what's the it's type of cat coon. it was a main coon. coon oh yes yeah. lovely yeah so it's very 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 independent cats. Yes. Yeah. He's very much like a dog, but very independent. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they do generally know how gorgeous they are. Oh, he, he definitely knows. Yeah. yeah. But they're very, they've got a magic to them. Yeah, that's very profound. You could channel yeah. with your cat easily, Jen. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, sure. Also, watch out, watch out for him. What are some ways that people that have cat, uh, dogs or cats, just from the very beginning, from the very start, they're looking at their cat right now and they're like, I want to talk to you. What are just some practical ways that you could like begin that contact with your animal as far as communication? So I, it, it literally begins with a willingness to put your, your brain aside and to sit down and say, I'm going to explore this as an option. I'm going to just yeah. see if I, can, if, I can, if I can hear, feel um, what's happening here. And always, you know, tell, yeah, always tell the animal, look, we're about to have a conversation, so help me out here. And your animal may just tell you to, you know, piss off. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that'll even be profound. That'll be profound, too, because you can go to your pal next door and be like, hey, my, my cat just told me to piss off. And they're like, what? And you're like, no, he actually said that. <laughs> it's too funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, and that makes sense. And it's really powerful because it's true. We can't approach it with the same sort of understanding that we do at, with the English language. You know, it's almost like in order to really interact with them, you got to leave all of those beliefs, all of those belief systems, put them to the side and just really be open. Just like Jen said, as far as her mediumship, I imagine it's approached the same way. You got to just have an open mind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, Heather, it has been a pleasure. We, I just... I think you're wonderful, and yeah, you <laughs> I so love much. everything about you. You've helped me so much. You kept me from burning my house down because I was uh, definitely ready to do that. Um, <laughs> I was like, uh, "We got to burn this thing down or move." I don't know, but I'm not staying here. So, yeah. um, thank you for all of all of your work and everything that you do. You're amazing, and um, for everything that you did for Sancho as well. He is very grateful. 
and uh, I I could hear him. He was kind of walking around um, outside uh, outside of the door, so I'm sure he was coming to say hi. So, <laughs> and maybe he already did. I don't know, but. All right. Thank you. Thank you, so thank you for so sharing. Fun. Yeah. Thank you for sharing space with us. And you're just like a wealth of knowledge and information. And we're really, really grateful to have had your energy in the space with us Absolutely. today. We've had a lot of the last few episodes have been about our animals and it, it did provide me a lot of clarity as to kind of go about my journey um, with the animal that I have. And especially during this time in COVID, there's a lot of people spending more time with their animals. You know, so I think it's a worthy conversation to have about how people can connect more with their their animal friends. Oh, and speaking of, sorry, I'm, I have one more question. Um, and this is something that Eric and I were talking about uh, offline, was how are the animals going to do when everyone goes back to work? Because everyone has been working from home for the past year. So oh, yeah. are you starting to feel like a little bit of anxiety from animals? Uh, what's what's coming through for you? Yes, for sure. For sure I am. So, you know, uh, uh, you're just going to have to start talking to them about what's happening much sooner give them a lot of notice if you're having to go out of the house when you normally wouldn't give them a ton of notice if you're going on a trip take out the suitcases way in advance like four days in advance i'm i'm not kidding like there we need to just give their central nervous system some help by um extra padding with time and information yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go like, hey, Binks, I'm going to start, I'm going to go back to work on May 29th. I'm going to set the alarm for 7.30. So if I get up before you, we got to arrange that because I don't want to be in the shower and get in your way, you know, just that, <laughs> that whole, that whole conversation. The, the, just one last final thing is, you know, if you work with the, with the images, put the images of you leaving in the palm of your hand and put the palm of your hand on your animal and let them absorb that, but oh, yeah. then see them having a good time. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's really nice. Yeah, we've, we've definitely noticed. Uh, I actually had to travel for work yesterday, and um, I brought my suitcase out, and the dogs got in it, so they didn't want me to leave, and packed my suitcase, left, and uh, Jeremy took a picture of them, all, all of them, the cat, and all three dogs were waiting at the door because oh. I haven't left in so long and they were just by themselves with Jeremy. It broke my heart. I was like, I'm so sorry guys. And as soon as I closed the door, they started crying and oh. uh, it just broke my heart. So, well, don't, yeah. don't forget that you, don't forget you can communicate long distance too. So just keep up the conversations. You know what I heard that they have now, they actually have these animal callers that you could wear or you could actually call into this caller and when you speak, you can hear the, your voice on this caller. So your animal gets to hear your voice and you actually talk to your animal. Oh, that, cool? that is cool. Yeah, I just heard about that's it. So, oh, my God, I love yeah. that. oh, my God, I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. So thank you again, Heather. We're gonna, yeah, thank you, guys. And have well, this thing going. How do people going. get in touch with you? If someone wants to book a session with you for um, animal healing, it's, home he it's healing, it's my whatever. name. It's heathermccall.com. That's M C C A L L. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. And any social media handles you wanna you wanna let us know about? Instagram, YouTube, anything like that? Um, Heather McCall Sessions is my Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, so if you guys want to clear out your home, you want to get the vibes going in your home, call Heather. She knows exactly what to do. If you want to maintain that connection with your animal, give her thank a call. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much again, Heather. Thank you guys for tuning in to Divine Nobody's Podcast. It's been a, it's been a, been a wild ride. It's nice to, to be able to just wax poetic about these um, subjects because we, we love our animals and continue loving your animals, taking care of your animals, listening to your animals. If you guys are looking for us on social media, you can find us at uh, on Instagram at Divine Nobody's Podcast. And then uh, we're also on YouTube if you want to check out the video portion of the podcast. Uh, we'll have um, Heather McCall on this as well. Uh, go ahead and check it out. Like and subscribe. Do all the things. And until next time, namaste, friends. Namaste, friends.